Coming up today on the WSJ Speakeasy Podcast, we're talking all things Radiohead, a moon-shaped pool. Stay tuned. This is WSJ Speakeasy, your source for entertainment, pop culture, celebrity, and the arts. Hello, welcome to the WSJ Speakeasy Podcast. My name is Mike Ayers. I'm an arts reporter here at the Wall Street Journal. Today, I am joined by another arts reporter, Neil Shaw, who covers music and the music industry for for the journal. Neil, welcome. Thanks. Uh, today, we are talking about Radiohead's new release, A Moon-Shaped Pool, their ninth album. It was released on it was released on Sunday afternoon on on Mother's Day at two p.m. Uh, a very specific time for for a weekend for a record to come out. Uh, Neil Radiohead are arguably one of the biggest bands on the planet with fans. I mean, they're 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 everywhere. Is a moon shaped pool something to satiate the fans? Do you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a really enjoyable album. Um, in fact, a lot of parts of it sound like Radiohead from different parts of their career. Folks that are fans of maybe the music around the millennium, like 2000, 2001, will find stuff that sounds like that. There are acoustic guitars, so kind of more rock-oriented fans have that for them. And then there's plenty of electronic kind of ambient experimental stuff. So in a way, it's kind of a... In a way, it's kind of a greatest hits of Radiohead sound. So for Radiohead fans, um, it's actually a treat. Yeah, that's a really good way to describe it, a greatest hits of their sounds. Not necessarily their hits. I mean, you know, this is a band that is is, is very big globally. They play, they headline festivals, you know, everywhere. Uh, are they a mainstream radio act by all definitions? They're not Fall Out Boy. They had... You know, maybe one song in their career that was a hit, Creep. Um, right. And, you know, that that essentially blew them up in the MTV, uh, you know, alt-rock grunge era. But since then, they've, you know, made a lot of music and they've, you know, garnered a lot of critical acclaim, a lot of, a lot of fans. But uh, they don't have any, quote-unquote, uh, you know, traditional hits. But as you're saying, yeah, the sounds, you know, are all there so the fans who you know have followed them for the last 20 years i'd say you know this this was probably a very nice thing to get on sunday for, for them a lot of people when they get a new radio album they're wondering like what what's going to happen with this album what are they doing new musically what are they doing new in terms of their business in terms of their how they're releasing their album and um yeah this this, this album is notable kind of for uh, having little pieces of, of, of Radiohead through the years, so it's different in that way. Yeah, in, in a way, in a way, it looks back at their at their career. It does, um, and you know, as you were you were just kind of saying that you know, the, it's it, it's kind of a, an event for fans to get to get one of these records, as it is for a lot of the major acts these days. Like a Beyonce record feels like an event. A Kanye record feels like an event. They have events for their event records, you know? Yeah, right. Kanye had, had the Garden event. Uh, Beyonce <laughs> had Lemonade, right. you know, an event on HBO. Um, you know, and they, 
a lot of Radiohead fans, as you're saying, that like they think of their records as um, having like the surprise element to it. Like Kid A had a sonic surprise. In Rainbows was industry changing, and they released it as a pay for you what pay what you want download, which was you know 2007. That was crazy at the time. Like a major a major rock band saying, "Give us as much or as little as you want for essentially our art." Um, you know, they constantly defy logic in ways of what a band should do, you know, like their logical, right. you know, trajectory and what, what makes sense. Um, and it's worth noting that In Rainbows was back in 2007. So when people talk about surprise releases, you know, which is obviously very common now, Drake and, and whatnot, um, doing that, when we think of surprise releases, we often quote Beyonce's self-titled 2013 album but the surprise release has history going back further and probably uh, one of the major milestones was that was that Radiohead 07 record in Rainbows 100% I mean was there anything uh, very surprising about Moon I mean it felt like they traditionally rolled it out you know in ways that it was you know we kind of knew things were coming for a week but they held the title they held the track list until until sunday and that shockingly didn't leak out um i don't know was there anything i I think it wasn't surprising i mean i we um it is the case that i guess they dropped some hints about the record they did things that um they knew that the diehard hardcore radiohead fans would pick up on and then anticipate an album i mean they did talk about premiering their album or, or not premiering but playing the album at during their festivals in Europe this summer. They did start two companies, and Radiohead has a history of starting companies right before they release records. So they, in a way, they did drop hints, but they've done those things in the past. So really, this was more, if anything is surprising, this was kind of a more traditional release. Um, you basically eventually let people know... Um, you let people know um, when things are coming out. I mean, they, they did um, give us a few tracks earlier on and whet our appetite in that way. I mean, it should be noted that they did a fun thing where they basically erased their online presence um, uh, gradually, which was an interesting feat in and of itself and got people excited. So there, there were, I think, minor things that got people excited, but I'm not on the level of things that they've done in the past where they've, for example, with the pay what you want um, process for in rainbows um, that that was you know a much more dramatic gesture it feels like these side innovations if you will that you know make people talk about things that we were just talking about which is not the music um, it's the way the music is released it feels like those side side projects or side methods of release um, or might be a thing of the past at this time for this band. I mean, they they yeah, they made it on sale on all digital retailers. You know, they didn't like you know make you go to some weird website and pay in Bitcoin as some sort of you know experiment and protest to. I mean, there was a little something. bit of stuff. I mean, Tom York has been pretty negative about YouTube and Spotify historically, and Spotify didn't, for example, immediately have the album. I don't think they still do. Okay, there you go. Um, there was a little bit of other weirdness. You mentioned the album came out at two p.m. It actually, came out around one p.m. on Google Play, and then uh, and then I think it was removed. 
And uh, then I noticed when I was trying to listen to the album that like Google 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 Play wasn't advertised as one of the options. I'm sure there was some weirdness, but yeah, no. In general, um, in general, they didn't seem to want to make it about the album release thing. And what that does is leave the focus more on the music. The pay what you want album release strategy for In Rainbows is what we consistently talk about. When I'm frankly, I mean, in my opinion, we should be talking about how how great that record is. I mean, it's a fantastic record and people, um, I don't think people know how, how good that record is. Well, critic, you know, speaking of the music, critics, you know, the reviews have already started pouring out for A Moonshaped Pool. Um, everything seems to be very favorable so far. Uh, I read today Rolling Stone had this uh, great line in their their review, they described it as artisanal Radiohead, mass-produced mm. with small-batch aesthetics as an antidote to low-flying panic attacks. That's a, that's a sentence. <laughs> um, yeah, there are a lot of acoustic elements here. Um, the strings, most notably. The orchestration, the, the strings, some of which I think is London Contemporary Orchestra, and probably a lot of it has the hand of Johnny Greenwood. Um, the strings are a star here. They are. That's essentially, in a, in a way, an acoustic instrument. There's also uh, snatches of acoustic guitar that are prominent. Um, a lot of Radiohead, Radiohead records have understated electric guitars still, even in this more electronic phase past the old days of the Benz and OK Computer. There's always electric guitar, but um, it's been interesting to see a little bit of acoustic guitar. So these are kind, these are kind of new sounds. So the presence of acoustic guitar was one of the newer things for me. Um, and and the, the heavy presence of the strings. In a way, it kind of made the album feel a little folky. Um, you got to also remember uh, the producer, Nigel Godrich, um, you know, probably has a big role in this, obviously. And um, parts of it, with the strings and with the guitar, parts of it, it sounded to me like Beck's Sea Change. Mm. The way the, 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 you know, the strings would swirl, these huge flourishes. Um, so in a way, it sounds folky, just like, just like Beck's Sea Change. Well, let's take a listen to one of those uh, tracks from A Moon-Shaped Pool that features this very... Uh, prominent orchestration it's called glass eyes it comes uh it comes towards the end of the record the the second half it's a couple minutes long let's check out a, a, a snippet So yeah, I mean that song has you know some classical tinges to it, and it's yeah. uh, it's not I I wouldn't say it's a traditional sounding Radiohead song, but it you know certainly works, and uh, within the you know the context of what people are honing in on in terms of what York is singing about is like a lot of anxiety, a lot of paranoia. It's still with the human condition, you know, and kind of wrestling with that. And in 2016, and you know, obviously people read into this dude more than yeah. more than normal uh, artists. But um, at the same time, it's not as anguished as Radiohead albums have been in the past. So while there might be this environment of Desolation, uh, whether whether could be that 
kind of angst. It's not like it's as worried about a certain topic like with OK Computer, you really had this concern about what will happen to the individual in the age of the Internet, essentially. Um, you, you know, it's, it's not that pronounced. It, it is kind of you're not just getting um, Tom York's thoughts and his 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 words as much as maybe on another album. I don't feel like the lyrics um, or you, or even the, his melodies or his singing are as prominent, which kind of brings up one other thing with all we're talking about the guitars and the strings and whatnot. This feels a little bit more like a group album. It feels mm. a little bit more like a group effort. I know King of Limbs, to me, kind of felt a little bit like some of Tom York's solo work. It just seemed more like the product of, correct, I could be wrong, but like it seemed more like the product of his his vision. And this seems more like, this seems more like a, a band. Yeah. Um, and what you're saying about like the, the angst not really being overt, you know, very prominent in his, uh, his delivery a lot of people were kind of picking up on that and that you know it was you know the the dread is still there the radiohead dread yeah um but it's more it's more as if it's become you know this person singing it as accepting it you know and is okay with it and kind of you know this is what is happening and i'm not necessarily um upset with it i have to you know accept it and then kind of let it go type situation there's more of a sense of peace i mean we're reading things into you had mentioned earlier that this album sounded mellow to you there aren't like moments like there are are on for example 2003's hail to the thief where suddenly you get this frenetic track that's going really fast and and it kind of punches things up a level this album is pretty even keeled and mellow suggesting that even if there is a certain despair or ennui or whatnot, there's kind of a level of peace with it. Um, I mean, some folks, you, you never want to read too much biography into anybody's album release, but I mean, it's worth noting that Tom York did separate, um, break up with a long-term girlfriend of 23 years, which is pretty significant last year. Um, that's a little poignancy to some of the songs like True Love Waits, uh, which has that line, don't leave me. But um, but yeah, there's a sense of peace here. And in and, and, Maybe even also maturity. We talked earlier about just um, having old kind of sounds from the past um, and the album potentially being a little backward looking in that sense. Um, I mean, it literally has older songs. True Love Waits, the last track was written in 1994, I think. And a couple of the other songs have been banging around Radiohead live performances for a while. So in a way, the, all of these things are of a piece. It, it seems like more than ever the... Uh, the work of a mature act well let's take a listen to that song you mentioned true love waits a fan favorite that was certainly a surprise to see on the track list as a studio recording when it came out on sunday Yeah, as you were mentioning, this song, you know, was kicking around since 1994. It was, you know, in their live set. It appeared on their live record they released uh, in 01, I believe. And no one really had really expected it to be on on this record. Um, And, you know, 
another thing that was interesting about this record that I read is seven of the songs here have either been floating around, you know, in their live set or appeared in some other altered form, you know, in that they, you know, a lot of people think they just took them a while, you know, to, to finish and yeah. they weren't happy with whatever work that had been done before on them until now. Um, but it's, I feel like it's unique for a band like Radiohead who certainly tour, but they also take, they take a lot of time off. I mean, I guess one school of thought for the jaded Radiohead fan is, you know, why couldn't you do something truly new? Entirely new, right? Um, you know, I don't know if that's a, a, a fair complaint or anything, but just, you know, it, it certainly shows how dedicated they are to the studio process and they're not going to just put something out just for the sake of putting something out because they, they can, you know, yeah. uh, they could have released True Love Waits, I'm sure, 10 years ago as a one-off single. They could have tacked it on to any record. I mean, that song has been kicking around since the creep days. You know, they, yeah. they don't, they, 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 there was a purpose for, for putting it on now. I, what that purpose is, we may never know. There is some, I mean, there is a little, um, there is some speculation out there about whether this will be the last, um, Radiohead album that we'll see. I think Colin Greenwood, people were reading into a tweet that he had, I think he said something to the effect of, oh, I'm really proud that we did this. As if maybe they could have not done it, but they did do it. I, again, we're reading in way too much into this stuff. But look, there's a, a slight air of finality, finality here. I mean, you, you do have a lot of tracks that have been, as we, we talked about, going around for a while, kind of being finalized. I guess you can't help but kind of give off a sense that maybe you're... Um, tying things up at the same time i mean there's so much the, the the new versions of these tracks are significantly different from um the the old stuff that the older older versions that for example were were played live it's it's not like they're the same track so um the, the album shows a care an artistry i mean radiohead is a great studio band i mean just like some of the bands in the 70s were, were fantastic in the studio. Radiohead is kind of an heir to that tradition, very meticulous. So, I mean, in the art, which was their, the art that they're bringing to what they're doing in the studio, doesn't suggest that um, they're on their way out. I, I think it's more complicated in terms of both their live recordings and their and their touring. I mean, they are more sporadic, right? They are they are doing Radiohead um, around other projects. Tom York has his projects. Johnny Greenwood has his projects. So it's a little bit more complicated. Um, they are a little bit more like another band, The Strokes, where they put out albums and, and do a little bit of touring. And on neither of their those fronts do they do as much as probably fans would like. That's Yeah, that's an interesting comparison um, to, to The Strokes. Uh, this... Um this record has to go number one, right? They released it normally, you know, it, and on all avenues <laughs> for the most part, except for Spotify. It would be shocking to think it wasn't at the top of the charts next week, right? There's uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of competition. We've had like back to back power packed releases. I mean, most recently Drake, um, ba- basically breaking various records with views. And then you've got, you know, people still digesting Beyonce. I find like it's really sad that Drake and Radiohead just came out because I feel like people should listen to Lemonade more um, and not give up on that. But so we we have a 
we have some heavy hitters already on the Billboard charts. And then Radiohead, while a artistic event, while a Radiohead album is a new artistic event, it's not a commercial event on the same level as your, I mean, mega stars like like Beyonce and Drake. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a question. Like, where exactly a Radiohead release will... Um, Will land, but yeah, there's not there, there aren't things impeding its its first week sales as as we saw with um, some other recent releases where um, like Rihanna, for example, and Kanye they took a while to actually get higher up on the chart because they were withheld from certain services. I will say, if Drake remains at number one, that in itself is a testament to the power of Drake. <laughs> right. You know, like if he can, you know, hold off. You know, a Radiohead release in 2016, that would be that would be a feat in and of itself for any act to do and really show how how much that guy has uh, come along and how devoted his fan base is. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's, it's a it's a feat just to maintain pole position for more than one week in this day and age because all of the sales tend to be front loaded. You tend to have a big first sales week and then, I mean, you see big percentage drop off in terms of what happens the next week. So it's, it's, you probably will get something like that um, with Drake and um, a little bit of staying power. And then, yeah, no, that, that's a story in and of itself, just um, Drake's success and then where Radiohead plays in relation to that. Uh, A thing that I've thought about recently a lot is that, you know, Radiohead seemed to be, one of the last major bands to attract this many devotees worldwide. Um, you know, the only other act that I've thought of recently that has, you know, is is kind of inching towards their level is uh, is Arcade Fire. Mm. Um, but it feels now that everything is so you know fractured in the music business, and you know, fandom is so is, is so splintered that. Um, you know, for an act to achieve this level of uh, passion, at least a rock act, yeah, um, it might. I don't know if it's a thing of the past, but it's going to be. I, I do think increasingly harder for people to get to the level of arcade, uh, arcade fire, or you know, as we're talking about today, Radiohead. I mean, it was exciting this Sunday. I mean, it's exciting. Um, Diehard die radio fans are pretty, pretty into it. Um, I remember when the album did get kind of released a little early, around 1 p.m. on Sunday, Eastern Time in New York. Uh, my wife was telling me that some diehard fans were refusing to go get the album early, even though they could, because they wanted to make sure they went through the appropriate outlets or radio to get them. Fans care, and it was it was exciting. And that is the product of a rock band being a big global name. And yes, we're not seeing that as much um, anymore. Um, look in the, in the rock community, people, there's, there's longstanding complaints. We do have in today's music industry, um, what is marketed more, what is pushed more is definitely kind of single performers who are huge sellers and really, really great performers, um, with a certain level of celebrity status. And then an infrastructure is built around those, those single artists, as opposed to rock bands, which, um, they may be more expensive, essentially for the labels in today's industry they're not supported as much there's less artist development and so you don't but potentially this is a theory that you know you, you don't have as many you, you don't have as many radio heads and then you you may not in the future too 
All right, Neil, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for tuning in to the WSJ Speakeasy podcast. We've been talking all about Radiohead's new release, A Moon-Shaped Pool. For more podcasts, check us out at wsj.com slash podcast. And look for us on the Google Play Music app on Android devices. We are everywhere. Thank you. Thank you.